Throughout human history, one thing has remained constant, namely the enjoyment of having sex. But by the late Middle Ages, both gonorrhea and syphilis were widespread. Although the poor could only make do with superstition and herbal remedies, the rich could rely on their expensive physicians. Without antibiotics though, the success of any treatment was mostly based on luck. Especially when you consider that one popular medication for those who could afford it was mercury ointment, which we now know to be toxic and would end up fatally poisoning the patient anyway. In today's episode, we're going to look at pustules and the pox. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Epidemic. German physician and astrologer Joseph Grunpeck was born in the late 15th century. After contracting syphilis in his late 20s, he wrote, quote, In recent times I have seen scourges, horrible sicknesses, and many infirmities afflict mankind from all corners of the earth. Amongst them has crept in, from the western shores of Gaul, a disease which is so cruel, so distressing, so appalling, that until now nothing so horrifying Nothing more terrible or disgusting has ever been known to the earth. At the end of the 1400s, Naples, Italy was besieged by the troops of King Charles VIII of France. This was during the First Italian War caused by a dispute over the succession of the Neapolitan throne. It was at this time that syphilis became notorious across Europe. There were accounts told by the French soldiers of excruciating pain and physical disfigurement plaguing them as they marched their way home spreading the disease as they went. Communications were sent in advance amongst panicking city officials and scholars as they tried to learn whatever they could about the disease before it reached their towns. What was known was that the affliction was as horrific as leprosy. What was not known was that it was spread through sexual contact. In Naples, it became known as the French disease. Early names for syphilis were usually based on racial slurs, each region seeing their neighbor as the original manufacturer of the disease. The chronicler Jean Molinet from Burgundy, France wrote about, quote, A very horrible leprosy and an abominable disease called pox. In 1496, the Great Pox. Others call it a Neapolitan disease. Syphilis spread rapidly across Europe. Perkin Warbeck, who was a pretender to the English throne, had the support of James IV of Scotland. Warbeck was joined by many mercenaries who were carriers of the sickness on his invasion into England. The annals of the town council of Edinburgh recognized it as, quote, this contagious sickness call it the Grandor, a word from the old French meaning Great Gore. By 1497, the disease had reached London, where according to records from St. Bartholomew's Hospital, 10 out of every 20 patients were infected by what was known as the Great Pox. It wasn't until several decades after the start of the epidemic that the Italian physician and astronomer, Girolamo Francastro, named the disease syphilis. Columbus. And it's believed that syphilis was brought back to Spain from the New World by just a handful of sailors on Columbus's first voyage in 1492. It could have been the meeting of two different populations coming together and exchanging bacteria, which evolved into the STI that we know today. The timing could be right for this to be true, as the first written records of the disease began just two years later, in Naples in 1494. Medieval Myths. About 40 years after the death of John of Gaunt, Duke of Lancaster, the theologian Thomas Gascoigne wrote a biography of his death. In it, he claimed that Gaunt, who was the father of King Henry IV of England, had died in bed, quote, 
from putrefaction of his genitals and body caused by the frequenting of women, for he was a great fornicator. We have to bear in mind that Gascoigne was a great supporter of the Yorkist cause and likely to be biased against the Lancastrians. Was he trying to insinuate that Gaunt was suffering from some sort of sexually transmitted disease? Since medieval medicine was all about balancing the humours and sex was viewed in terms of excretion, it was thought that a man could die from having too much sex. The belief was that that alone could kill him even if his partners were not carriers. The 13th century English knight and poet, Walter of Bibsworth, thought that although men were sexual predators, it was women who were the main culprits for immoral behaviour, and that illnesses such as smallpox and measles existed because of this. In fact, the symptoms of venereal disease and leprosy were very similar and often confused in medieval Europe. Lepers suffered because they had sinned, and part of that sin contained sexual offences. The disfigurement of their faces with pustules reflected the offender's constant state of lust. Leprosy was widespread throughout the 12th and 13th centuries. It is a horrific disease that attacks the nervous system, often causing the nose, fingers, and toes to erode. Not knowing what caused the disease meant that the medievals had to come up with their own theories. Any transgression against God was always believed to have consequences in the Middle Ages. A sexual act that was not done for the sole purpose of procreation was seen as immoral. So illness was not seen as being passed on through physical contact, but rather as a result of a transgression. The Prose Salonician Questions is a collection of manuscripts written around the year 1200 by an unknown Englishman. It describes how a woman might not contract leprosy even though she had intercourse with a sufferer, but her next lover would catch it instead. For the medievals, the susceptibility of women was the main problem. They were thought of as lewd and wanton and were blamed for the sexual thoughts of medieval men, as were the bawdy places that they inhabited such as taverns and brothels. Women were considered to be the carriers of any unwanted infections, and medieval men blamed the entire gender of women when they contracted an STI, not just the individual. In the local bathhouses or stews of Southwark, London, prostitutes with burning sickness, which was probably what we know today as gonorrhea, were sometimes banished by the local authorities. But the effectiveness of that as a preventative measure was probably pretty weak. Cures Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Becket, is credited with a healing miracle involving the nobleman Oboe de Beaumont. He became leprous straight after a visit to a brothel. Another man afflicted with what was thought to be leprosy immediately after calling on a sex worker was the Franciscan friar Arnoux de Vellinol from Montelou, southern France. The whole experience frightened him so much that he turned to sodomy with young men instead for his sexual gratification. Beaumont was later tried in June of 1323 for his homosexual activities by Jacques Fournier, who later became Pope Benedict XII. The physician John of Godiston wrote a treaty on medicine between 1305 and 1307 known as Rosa Anglica. In it, he listed many diseases and injuries along with their remedies. He recommended that to keep the penis from harm, a man should always behave as though he knows that his partner is corrupted. As soon as the organ is withdrawn, it should be given a prolonged washing in either cold water or urine, and then wrapped in cloth soaked with vinegar, so as to purify it. If, as surprisingly often happened, the preventative measures did not work, then the patient would need to use one of the many remedies that were available for an itchy or swollen penis. The Trotula, a 12th century medical compendium, remarked that there were men, quote, who suffer swelling of the virile member, having there and under the prepuce many holes, and they suffer lesions. These men were advised to apply a poultice to the area to reduce the swelling, and then, quote, 
Wash the ulcerous or wounded neck of the prepuce with warm water and sprinkle on it powder of Greek pitch and dry rot of wood, or of worms and rose and root of mullion and bilberry. John Ardine is regarded as England's first surgeon and the originator of some of the first workable cures in medicine. The 14th century physician is best known for specialising in treating knights in cases of fistla in anno, a common affliction caused by too much time in the saddle. His treatment for one of his cases where, quote, a man's yard began to swell after coit due to the falling of his own sperm, whereof he suffered great grievousness of burning and aching as men do when they are so hurt, was particularly brutal and involved cutting the dead flesh away from the member with a razor and then spreading on quicklime. Apparently though, this did result in a cure. Bleeding with leeches, or if all else failed, hitting the genitals with a heavy object were also recommended as treatments. And if contracting a disease was seen as a punishment for the sin of sex, then maybe purity could be the cure. It was using this type of thinking that made having sex with a virgin another go-to remedy. Sadly though, many young maidens were raped in this way and then having found themselves with an infection were shunned by society for being an unclean sinner. Neither the Trotula nor John of Ardine actually linked the symptoms experienced by their patients with an STI, even though there is an inference that the problems occurred after sex. It would seem that, as with the case of John of Gaunt, the cause of a postulating penis was thought to be due to overindulgence rather than some form of infection. It seems that Ardine must have been doing something right though because he lived to the ripe old age of 85, a rare occurrence in the Middle Ages. The first exacting description of syphilis came from a Venetian surgeon who had treated soldiers at the Battle of Fornovo in 1495. He noted that the disease first manifested with painless ulcers on the penis, followed by sores on the face and body, joint pain and itching. Surgeon to Pope Julius II, Giovanni de Vigo, also described the disease as having two stages. Primary chancres on the genitalia, followed by secondary skin lesions. He noted that the severe joint pain occurred especially at night. Other symptoms included fever, sore throat, headache, blindness, mental decline and ultimately death. Everyone agreed, both sufferers and healers, that the affliction had an alarming impact on the body. The military physician Alessandro Benedetti wrote that, quote, The entire body is so repulsive to look at, and the disease causes great suffering. Cesare Borgia, the illegitimate son of Pope Alexander VI, was so badly scarred with syphilitic facial lesions that he had to wear a black velvet mask that covered half of his face. From the evidence, we can assume that medieval men and women suffered from STDs long before syphilis started at the Siege of Naples. Going into the 16th century, medical practitioners worked hard to understand STIs, especially syphilis, and it was quickly acknowledged that it was spread through sexual intercourse. Thank you for watching this episode of Medieval Madness, and I'll see you next week for another one. Cheers!